You're listening to Hooked on Creek, a podcast celebrating the music, history, and fans of the legendary jam band Max Creek. I'm your host, Corey Johnson, and you are listening to episode 16. As I look at the valley down below, green just as far as I can see. that? That's Max Creek performing High on a Mountain from their new album, Acoustic Live at the Stafford Palace Theater. If you're curious how this new double acoustic live album was created, you're really going to enjoy this episode because it features my interview with Tony Fishman. Tony is the CEO, owner, and founder of Telefunken Electroacoustic, and his company produced this new Max Creek album being released February 22nd. During my conversation, Tony talks about the production of this new Max Creek album, his deep appreciation for the band, and how their music influenced his career. And if you look on the episode show notes, you'll find a link with details on where you can purchase this new album. But before we jump into the interview, I have a couple things I want to ask you. First, please subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy listening to Hooked on Creek, Help me reach more Max Creek fans by telling your friends about this podcast. You can also join discussions about the podcast and get a behind-the-scenes view of this podcast by joining the Hooked on Creek Facebook group or following the podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Just search for Hooked on Creek on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram to get connected. And as always, if you have feedback about this episode or suggestions for future episodes, head over to HookedOnCreek.com Click the contact link and let me know what you think. All right, now let's get started. Tony Fishman, welcome to Hooked on Creek. Thanks for having me, uh, Corey. It's a pleasure to be here today. Tony, you are the owner of Telefunken Electroacoustic, a world-class audio equipment manufacturer located in South Windsor, Connecticut, but you're also a huge fan of Max Creek. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, I was... um uh, raised in West Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, started seeing Max Creek, like many Connecticut uh, Creekers, um, you know, around the age of 15 years old, and um, was really uh, immersed into their scene as a teen, and uh, started taping and recording. It's it's been an incredible journey. Uh, met so many special friends along the way. What was the Max Creek scene like for you as a 15-year-old? Well, you know, um, it was something to do on the weekend. Um, uh, in, in West Hartford, uh, there's some, you know, pretty uh, well-known creek shows uh, that happened at the Agora Ballroom. The Agora was um, kind of a um, place you love to hate. Um, it, you know, was a um, pretty um, interesting scene there, and... Um, what happened was just really incredible. Um, John Archer mixing uh, in the early days and um, seeing gear showing up, different microphones showing up, people with different approaches on taping, um, and um, just a a place where I felt like, my God, I, I can put all of all of this energy into kind of capturing these good vibrations. That's really, I think, what 
what taping and the Max Creek experience um, is, is about. It's a place where um, people can come and feel really comfortable and, and go hang out and be a little weird. And, and <laughs> you know, I, I guess in my case, you know, I was a, a kind of geeky taper. Uh, I didn't really conform to, you know, any one group in school. And I was, you know, on the fringe. And, and here was a place I could I can go and, and really experience um, music um, and at such a young age, it was, uh, um, it was just a really cool scene uh, to grow up in. Uh, it opened doors to other bands like uh, Fish and Grateful Dead. It's, it's a miracle. It is an absolute miracle. So not everybody that goes to a Max Creek show ends up being a taper. How did you get involved in taping shows? Well, there were already some friends of mine that were taping, um, and I kind of got sort of sucked in because um, I worked at the time at a high school at a stereo shop, um, and I was around gear and had a unique um, experience um, working at the stereo shop in Hartford, Connecticut on Farmington Avenue. Um, they were like a Macintosh dealer and you know, really esoteric gear and Nakamichi cassette decks. And it's where I became aware of, of vacuum tubes and how things sound. It's how I developed an, an ear for listening um, and wanting to record and wanting to find out what the best equipment to record with would be. And um, very blessed to have uh, kind of um, followed this different path. Um, I didn't go to college. Um, and I uh, focused mainly on working within the music scene. For many years, I was a concert photographer and took pictures um, working at places like The Sting in New Britain. And uh, it introduced me to people in, in production or stage management, um, some dear friends that, uh, you know, kind of helped me see the professional side of, you know, a very unique mm-hmm. uh, s- scene. You know, tapers are, are, you know, carrying the gear, let alone getting the tickets or getting in line or having the wherewithal to stand by your gear all night. It's, it's a dedicated crew of brothers. You know, now we live in a kind of um, convenient society where everything's gotten so small and portable. Um, it's a lot easier to do now. But back in the day, you know, uh, carrying just absurd amount amount of gear into clubs to try to pull off good recordings, mm-hmm. it, it you know was uh, probably the mother of invention for 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 why my company exists um, and and where I found my place in the world. Um, I kind of I kind of owe it all to these guys because um, I grew up seeing this band. I appreciate the music, I appreciate the scene, the opportunity to make recordings and share them. Um, and in the past, you know, few years, um, developing things within Telefunken to have soundstage and studio, and now this uh, new venture, which is the Telefunken Electro Records. Um, you know, I, I grew up kind of on the tail end of vinyl. You know, I had, uh, you know, r- uh, 
Rainbow and Drink the Stars. Drink the Stars was uh, was one of the first Max Creek projects. Um, through Scott Alshouse, I was in, invited to help them turn Drink the Stars uh, into a CD when it was only available on vinyl. Hmm. Um, so I worked on that. That was my, sort of my first exposure working directly with Creek in a in a professional capacity with recording. And it's just a it's a real trip to be here now and helping them. Um, launch themselves into their 50th year um, with this double acoustic album um, that was coincidentally recorded at my 50th birthday party. Here's Here was a great way to celebrate with friends, have everyone come together and create this. this um, it just, it worked. Something clicked. Um, we were able to, you know, immerse the band with great lighting that night, great sound, and um, great production. Mm-hmm. It was real teamwork in the room. The band was enjoying themselves, and um, we 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 caught it. You know, this is the best recording I've ever made. And to be able to put it onto vinyl, and the fact that people there's this resurgence in appreciation for analog now, and how things sound, and and the 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 feel of going and putting the record on and flipping the record and and sitting there and enjoying listening to music and you know not just clicking and swiping and you know just a, a moment of this and a moment of that because such short attention span it's created um kind of a therapy for me to to listen mm-hmm. you know to these tracks and i've learned so much about making a record now that it's it's a really unique experience and something that I didn't realize with a live band and n- making a record, um, I can talk about one thing that's a little technical in that um, records are different than CDs. CDs are, are are linear, and from beginning to end, every place on the CD sounds the same, whether it be the first track or the last track. But with the v- records, um, the groove is, um, as the spiral gets closer to the center of the record the dynamic range changes so across um several songs um you get this um loss of dynamic range and uh it's harder to portray the inner songs um equal to the outer songs on the record if you understand so that's a challenge that your team has to solve for in the production of these songs on a vinyl album. That's got to be really tricky to do. Is there an art to it, or how do you approach a problem like that? Well, I'm, I'm not going to you know, claim to be uh, an expert in the field. This is my first experience um, doing this, and um, I've been working very close with uh, Scott um, and Daros, who's a friend of mine who I met really through the scene and through taping. Um, and he's helped me produce a lot of the the record with uh, with the band. You know, it, it's what's great about doing it for a first time is you don't have any bad habits, <laughs> and you go into this beautiful new opportunity with you know, okay, how do we do this best? And you know learning along the way hmm. you know i think i think this will be the best max creek record ever made um i i certainly hope others feel so so and um 
Uh, I know we put our heart and souls into it. Well, let me provide some of the details here. It's a double acoustic live album. It's Max Creek, live at the Stafford Palace Theater. And this was recorded over two nights. It was back on February 22nd and 23rd of 2019. Tony, you're unique in that you started with such a great appreciation for the music. But over the course of your career, you've developed a relationship with the band. And so through that relationship with the band and doing work with them, opportunities like this came to you. Was there a conversation or something that sparked this idea to record those shows? Well, I think over a long period of time, the band and I have been uh, watching each other, not so much from a distance, but... Um, I think we we appreciate each other's energy, and um, uh, you know I was kind of shy um, growing up. Creek, you know, I would I would kind of like go to the show, and some of my friends would come with me, but you know, someone the spin off, or there'd be you know people meeting people, and you know, you you end up kind of wanting to be up front, um, but you know, when you're taping in the back, you're you're hiding in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me a long time to kind of get my my uh, confidence up to form relationships with the members of the band. I think it was after, you know, Rob uh, Freed passing mm-hmm. that I really kind of made a push in to get to know everyone as well as I possibly could. Life is such a miracle, and uh, every day needs to be appreciated Um the body of work, 50 years of these guys grinding it out and going all over the place and playing in the Northeast, it's remarkable. It's remarkable their dedication, their passion for their music just must be appreciated as something unique in Connecticut, unique on the East Coast. And that's really the purpose of this podcast. I was a fan of Fish and I was a fan of The Grateful Dead. But I had never heard of Max Creek until I saw Mike Gordon on tour back in 2017 here in Milwaukee. And I remember seeing this guitar player on stage and being just blown away by the things he was doing. And I just could not understand how I'd never heard of him. So I remember when I got home that night, I looked him up and was just immediately exposed to this band called Max Creek. And that really started with me watching a bunch of really cool YouTube videos of Max Creek from the early 80s. But then the amazing part is because of tapers like yourself and others who had posted all of these Max Creek shows online, I was able to spend just countless hours researching the band and understanding the different genres of their music over, like you said, almost 50 years. And it's been so rewarding to me to become exposed to this band that I love so much through all of that music. And I just want more people to know about this band. That's why I created this podcast. And it's why I'm so excited that there are people like you out there who are so passionate about this music and have the opportunity to help spread the word through projects like this double live acoustic album. It's just so amazing. There's a lot of similarities, um, uh, but just a uniqueness. You know, within uh, um, the band, you know, the procession of drummers throughout the history of Max Creek, such uh, uh, interesting uh, periods... I guess if it weren't for my relationship with Scott Allshouse uh, during uh, in the '90s, um, that, that's really where you know the work started uh, with Drink the Stars and and um, 
you know, this um, acoustic record is um, hopefully uh, going to be a time capsule, if you will, um, for our, um, all of our experiences together. So the album is coming out on February 22nd, and it'll be on vinyl. It'll be on the streaming platforms, and there'll be a digital download available as well. Now that the album is finished, have you talked with members of the band, and what are their impressions of it? What are their feelings now that the album is ready? Everyone's really excited. Um, You know, working with uh, uh, Bill Carbone, um, it's always sort of been the drummers in the band somehow that have been the catalyst to um, pull the rest of the the band in. You know, my relationship with, with Mark and Scott and John has always been um, really close, and um, it's a miracle. And I keep saying it because, you know, um, there was a, um, a rap that Scott, Scott gave um, at a, I don't know if it was a, Strange Creek, or uh, but um, in 2017, um, out there he he gave a rap, um, and it really connected with me um, about you have a choice when you get up every morning um, to look at the day. Um, it's a difficult uh, thing to do to mm-hmm. be in the manufacturing business, to go from design and music production. And there's a lot, a uh, lot of people involved uh, in, in, in getting the product out. We are grateful to be able to do what we love, to come to work and to pull the fabric together to create good vibrations you know, and share them. You know, it's not just gathering, uh, collecting these vibrations with the microphones, but this is the first opportunity to to really get those vibrations in the analog world onto a record and be able to share them with people. It's a really unique experience, and um, I'm 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 you know got goosebumps. Uh, talking to you about it because it's it's just it's it's I truly believe that I not only did I find a niche with Telefunken in the on the technical side with the microphones but it's it's turned into something much deeper um, hopefully that will resonate with um, with making some some great um, great records here in Connecticut. Who would have thought, right? So this Live at the Stafford Palace Theater double acoustic album features an incredible combination of Max Creek originals and covers. Now, I'd like to take a minute and list all the songs included on this album, and I'll start with the Max Creek originals. They include Backstreet Woman, which dates, I think, back to the early 80s. We've got Hard Love. The band started playing that song around 1990. Dark Water, That, of course, is a deep track that dates back to the early 70s. The song Three, which is a song Scott debuted back in 1997, and it's such a beautiful song. I really can't wait to hear that on this new album. And then That's What They Say, which is a song the band has been playing since, I think, around the mid-90s. 
But in addition to those Max Creek originals, the album also features a mix of covers that, for the most part, I think are sourced from the folk or country folk genre of music. And I'm just looking through a list of the songs here. These include There's a Time, and that's a cover of a song from the early 1960s by a bluegrass band called the Dillards. Darlin' Corey, that's a cover of an old American folk song, I think, that dates back to the early 1900s. Cecilia, which of course is a Paul Simon song that dates back to 1970. High on a Mountain, that's a song originally recorded by the folk singer, songwriter, and banjo player Ola Bele Reed that dates back to 1973. We've got Rock of Ages, a cover of a Gillian Welch song that she wrote with David Rawlings that was released back in 1998. Then Come Together, which of course is a Beatles song from their 69 album Abbey Road. And then A Song for a Winter's Night, a tune from the Canadian folk singer-songwriter Gordon Lightfoot that he released back in 1967. Tony, this looks like a beautiful assortment of music. Was it hard choosing songs to feature on this album? Well, we had the material from those two nights. Um, you know, we've, we've been working on what songs would sound best where on the record. Um, and I think, um, you know, the performance of each of these are, you know, they just have a really nice feel to them. It was just such a good night. I just can't believe we captured it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's remarkable to just see all this come together, to have a hand in, in pulling all the friendships together. Um, the fans, uh, and the fans that I'm friendly with, um, you know, it's just, I, I can't explain it. You know, you could say it's family, but it's, it's, it's more than family. It's, you know, sharing these songs together. Um, the, it's, it's just, it's awesome. From a big picture perspective, how much work goes into setting up the recording of these live sets? Is that a lot of work? Is that something that your team has had a lot of experience doing, or was it something that you kind of learned along the way? You can't you can't just um, record, uh, track it. You know, the the tracking is one thing, but you know the mixing of the songs uh, and the mastering of the songs um, is a is a uh, unique unique process. Um, Alan Venatosh. Um, who is director of operations at Telefunken, who's helped me for the last 18 years uh, with a big hand in running the business um, and helping me keep the studio creative, um, helped me mix vast majority of, of, of all the songs. Um, the mastering um, was kind of a cooperative effort between us and the place where the uh, stampers are made in Nashville. Um, mm-hmm. So there's some engineering people in Nashville who um, help emboss the grooves. <laughs> you know, the stampers are opposite, the opposite impression. So um, it, it's it's a really uh, unique process. And, you know, I'm overjoyed that when I go into the bookstore now or a music store, uh, there are records there. And there are more and more records showing up all the time. Um, I think people were frustrated with CDs and that they'd scratch them or lose them or put take them in their car and then lose, 
you know, is just so hard to keep it together. The album is going to come with a digital download so that um, people want to buy the record. Um, if they don't have a record player, they can buy the record. They still get the digital download. They can listen to it on their computer or media device, um, and they can keep the uh, the record as a, you know, collectible um, and bring it to a friend's house and share the music, you know. I'm hoping a lot of people get to, you know, Creekers get to sit around and <laughs> and, and, and do it the old-fashioned way and, and really appreciate a moment in time. Um, we're moving into our 50th year, and um, it's just, you know, a, a tremendous journey these guys have had, and I, I want to help give them as big a push as I can. That is incredible. So you were there when Max Creek was performing these two shows. To what extent is the audience part of the magic that makes these recordings so beautiful? I mean, does the audience have a role in helping that band perform at the high level they always do? Absolutely. I've always, um, I've always, you know, kind of been uh, part of the audience, gazing back at the audience. I don't know. Uh, the dancing, the... Um, camaraderie uh you know it's just it's it's all uh part of um uh, a real family experience where i think for a large part everyone really feels really welcome you know it's going going to a creek show is to me it it's it's a unique uh it's a unique thing to see the energy flow from the band to the audience and back again and they're um, you know, they know how to change it up. They, they're, they're s- such professionals at what they're doing, you know, whether it be, you know, Scotty, uh, with the guitar work or Mark with the keys, um, and John's, um, big tone bass, uh, sound, um, you know, the vocals, uh, mm-hmm. Bill and, and, and Jay, um, you know, have brought great energy into the band, um, and it, it's moving along. And uh, So you're in a position now where you're probably exposing this band to more and more people. I wonder, how do you describe this band? Can you succinctly say the band is like this, or how do you describe who they are? You know, they have such great original music, and they, for many years, I think... Uh, people refer to them as a jam band. But I think of Max Creek as a band that, yeah, plays some traditional songs, but their originals are so well written. It's just uh, part of, uh, you know, the, the lore of Max Creek. They are the best kept secret, you know, in within the scene, I think, that, like, People who are in the know are in the know, and and you you want to be in the know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel like that. I listen to a lot of Max Creek live recordings just because I take the bus to work most days, so I have a lot of time in the mornings and in the afternoons just to consume more and more live shows. And I feel like when I finish a show, I look up at the people around me, either at home or at work or on the bus, and I'm like you have no idea what you just missed, right? So I feel lucky that I have the opportunity to be able to go through all these years of live shows that have been posted online, and it's just so incredible to me. So I know the feeling, at least from that perspective. 
the technology here, you know, to be able to go to archive and pull up a certain show that you were at, um, the, the, the devotion of the tapers to have archived this body of work is astounding. And um, that's the great thing, is that there's literally 50 years worth of music a band knows no limitations they're they are they are constantly evolving and and pushing the limits of what they can do within these songs and uh you know it's it's to be a part of it uh you know at at this point i'm 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 it's overwhelming you know um to be able mm-hmm. to create with them uh it's a miracle it's majestic and hopefully people will hear a difference when they listen to this record that, you know, it's it's just, I'll find it hard to believe if I'm the only one to think it's that special. Well, I am so incredibly excited to get my hands on a copy of this. I just really can't wait. So what does the future hold for Max Creek and Telefunken? Can we expect more projects like this in the future? I'd really like to keep going. Yeah, I, 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 you know, there's a lot of older shows that we're um, working on. Um, you know, we've been able to pull um, a large body of their work together. Um, you know, I'm sure there will be some more announcements to come, but um, I would really like to have this body of work speak for itself. I'm hoping that it. Um, kicks down the same doors it did for me when I was 15 years old the ability to go out and have a good time on the weekend be with friends be safe travel to some of these unique venues um, it's so special um, I, I hope all uh, um, listeners out there um, help Max Creek celebrate their 50th year um they've accomplished a miracle and they deserve every moment. I just can't believe it that they can keep doing this for 50 years. I think it really says a lot about who they are and the music they create, that they can maintain this fan base and their music is still just so incredibly interesting to listen to. It really, really is special. The band really helped create me, helped create my career, helped me create an appreciation for microphones and recording music and this is very much a gift back to them tony we covered a lot of ground in our interview today but i'm wondering is there anything else you think fans of max creek should know about you or this album that your team at telefunken helped create telefunken is a family business um it's people who work here are musicians lovers of music um people who are um, dedicated to what they're doing. Um, I want to thank my team at Telefunken from everybody uh, cooperating um, to bring this all together. Um, I'm really looking forward to growth potential, doing things within the music scene, um, more recording, more records, more microphones, more life imitating art and uh, creating Um, hopefully jobs for people to get involved with what we're doing. Tony Fishman, thank you for sharing your stories with me. 
Thank you for producing this album, and thank you so much for joining me on Hooked on Creek. Corey, thank you so much for, for having me today. Um, really appreciate what you're doing, um, helping spreading uh, information about uh, the record and, and the band. Thank you so much for your time. And that concludes my interview with Tony Fishman. As a reminder, Max Creek's new album, Acoustic Live at the Stafford Palace Theater, will be available February 22nd. Click the link in the episode show notes to learn where and how to get the album. And if you have feedback about this episode of Hooked on Creek or recommendations for future episodes, visit hookedoncreek.com and click the contact link to send me a message. Thanks for tuning in.